Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the Kind Parenting Company, wife, proud mum of twin boys, and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Today's episode is brought to you by Shopback. You can start saving money from your online shopping and earn up to 30% cash back today. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have heard me talk about Shopback. I've seen it all over social media and for good reason. It's a pretty handy little app for those of you who love online shopping and also saving. Shopback is a cash back platform where you can earn up to 30% of your money back. There are so many of your favorite online shops on board, including Woolworths Online, Target, Maya, Groupon, and even The Iconic. I know it sounds a little bit too good to be true, doesn't it? But the way it works is that the brands who are advertised through Shopback pay a commission fee to the Shopback platform, so it's not coming at any cost to you. I've got an exclusive $10 welcome bonus just for listening. Head to shopback.com.au forward slash KPC. It's free to sign up and we'll make sure these details are in the show notes as well for you. Happy shopping. Welcome to episode 44. Today's episode is all about how to read food labels due to popular demand. Recently on my Instagram stories, I was talking about an experience with my friend and personal assistant Mel, who happens to be a dietitian, where we were recently shopping in Woolworths and we were talking about food labels and I realized that there is so much to learn and unpack on the topic. And I put it out there to the community to see if people are interested in this and we have had so many messages. So today we will be speaking about food labels and answering your questions. Now, as you may already know from previous episodes, Mel is my personal assistant. As I just mentioned, she's way overqualified for the job. She is the owner of MSB Your Diet Revolution, an accredited practicing dietitian, nutritionist, sports dietitian, and also personal trainer. She's pretty special. She's worked as a dietitian in private practice for the last eight years, working predominantly with clients in the area of weight loss surgery, chronic disease, and general weight management. She is a wealth of knowledge, and I'm excited that she's joining me for today's episode. So Mel, talk to me about food labels. So thanks for having me today, Kylie. Um, Basically... As most of you are probably aware, food labels themselves can be really confusing and tricky to understand at the best of times, but often it can be actually the additional time spent trying to work out um, what they mean and which one is best product that kind of tends to bog us down 
I mean, if anybody's already had a look at labels themselves, they'll see that there's a lot of confusing information um, and something that we just need to be, I guess, more conscious of. And today, I really just wanted to share a few quick tips and tricks to help you navigate your way around the supermarket. So hopefully by the end of the podcast, um, this will make your shopping for healthy food just that little bit easier and quicker uh, to help you understand how you can avoid unnecessary saturated fat, added salt and sugar. So good. And that's the thing because there are so many things to take into consideration when it comes to buying food. And I know myself, I will often look at the back of a label But I'm not always looking specifically at the ingredients. I'll look at what's the total calories, what's the total protein, the carbs, the fat. And sometimes I'll have a quick glance over the ingredients, but it's not something I've always focused in on since you and I have started having conversations, though I definitely am so much more aware and educated on what to look for and what I guess is kind of a red flag. But before we jump into it, is there... Any little disclaimers that we need to make? So I thought I'd just make a little mention that obviously as a dietitian in my practice, I really do firmly believe in the philosophy of everything in moderation. Um, I always provide my clients with evidence-based practice techniques and therefore, as a result of that, do not promote any specific styles of eating on a whim. The education, obviously, that I want to provide you with today doesn't replace specific advice that... Uh, would be provided by a medical professional, Um, say, for example, your dietitian, if you already see one or if you're looking at seeing one, but instead will actually complement it. So I do stress the importance that if you have any particular concerns or medical conditions, I strongly recommend um, that you speak to your GP and discuss your options in actually seeing an accredited practicing dietitian who will be able to tailor the advice specific to you. Perfect. So we also opened up questions to Instagram as well. And this was one that came through straight away. And it's about asking who is responsible for our food labeling and who is responsible for making sure it's accurate. Okay. So many people may not know, but we actually have kind of an overarching body called Fazans. And they're responsible for developing and maintaining the Australia-New Zealand Food Standards Code. And that actually includes the standards for food labelling. So under Australian and New Zealand consumer laws, labels must not be false, misleading or deceptive. So suppliers must also label foods with accurate weights and measures information. That's really interesting. And I think that it's probably a bit of a grey area, isn't it, with you know, labels being false, misleading or deceptive because so many foods are packaged to be exactly that, to be a little bit deceptive. Mm. You know, it's healthy, but then you flip it over and you realize it's not. So there must be a bit of a gray area, I guess, in getting things through or, um, you know, maybe when it comes to getting items approved, there's specific wording that they would have to use, right? Yeah, definitely. And we'll probably cover this, um, you know, as we go along in the podcast. But there's definitely, I would say probably if you think about the labeling, like we do have very strict labeling here in comparison, but as you know, we still can import products and and that can make a difference to potentially what is included on labels. Um, But I think also a lot of it comes down to education and our ability to actually interpret and understand what 
what we're reading. So that just comes down to myself. If I was reading something, how does that actually relate to what I see it as? So if I see something labeled as, let's just use an example, low fat, that might resonate with me. Oh, that's healthy. So automatically they're not lying about that on the product, Mm. but our education is kind of drawn to those words and we'll come to this soon. Um, And sometimes it's just about our education and understanding those words that can help us interpret whether or not that's a good product to pick up. So interesting. So while we're here, let's talk about packaging. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So I thought Kylie and I, before we jumped into kind of the numbers game at the back or the bottom or the side of the packet, I just wanted to start on the front. So often when speaking to the clients that I have in my clinic, I find one of the biggest things we learn, we can learn is to not judge a book by its cover. So in this instance, not judge a product by the information that is included on the front. So I always do stress that it's great starting point and I want clients to look at it. But it's also important to read beyond this to make the most educated decision possible. Because things are packaged to appeal to our senses, like you just said, like buzzwords, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's like super and you take that as, oh, that's super healthy, even Mm -hmm. though it might not necessarily say it's super healthy. It's just what you read and how you interpret it, I guess. And it's cleverly worded. Exactly. And, you know, I used to always use an example with my clients of exactly that, something that's colored white, brown, red, and boring, and something that's colored yellow and vibrant colors and making the same kind of claims on the front. But when you actually read beyond that, completely different. And that's kind of where we're going to lead to now when we talk about your nutrition content claims and your health claims. Awesome. So just to clarify, uh, nutrition content claims are claims about the content of certain nutrients, nutrients or substances in a food. But just because they have these nutrition claims doesn't mean that the product is healthy. So I have listed a few just in front of me so that I don't forget. Um, but we'll just do some common ones that probably most people would see and, and probably would resonate with, with your kind of buzzwords for health. So one of the first ones would be light, so L-I-T-E, or light, L-I-G-H-T. So this one, probably most people would associate that food is low in fat, Mm. like if you think light milk or that kind of thing. So having those two words on the front of the packet doesn't necessarily mean that the food is lower in calories or sugar. So light, L-I-T-E. E can actually mean that the food is light in color or taste. Yes, I've heard this before where it's been used like light in terms of yogurt, that it was a light textured yogurt. Mm. So interesting because, yeah, you'd read that and go, oh, light, cool, I'll whack that in the trolley. Exactly. And, you know, I think it's certain things like that where the manufacturer isn't misleading you, but it's the education that we mm. have around what those words actually mean. See, I feel like they are misleading you because they're using that word because they know that it appeals to your senses of going, oh, I'm doing something good for myself and it's low resistance and I'll pop it in the trolley. Mm. Whereas, yeah, light can mean it's a light color. It's a light density. I'm trying to think of another one. It's a mousse. (laughs) Like olive oil. Yeah, right. Sometimes, you know, in terms of color, yes. the trans, the olive oil can change in terms of like color. The gradient. Okay. Yeah. 
So that, that can be a common one. Another common one is no added sugar. I think this is probably, I'll touch on this one because it's probably mm. a really popular one. Especially in kids stuff. Mm, mm. So I often have clients that will come in and say, oh, the product has no sugar in it. And I say no sugar or no added sugar. <laughs> um, and often they'll be talking about juice. So I'll say no added sugar actually means there has been no sugar added to the product. So I haven't got out my big white bag of sugar and tipped it into the products, but it may still be high in sugar. So I, and I guess the prime example of this would be fruit juice. Yeah. No added sugar juice still has 600 mils of say no added sugar, hundred percent pulp included orange juice still has roughly about 13 teaspoons of sugar. Holy moly. Yeah. So it's your natural sugars. Yeah. But when you compare that with Coke, it's 16. So there's really not that much difference, but we often think, oh, fruit juice is natural sugar. So it's better for us. But when we think of how, what we're actually putting into our body in the end. And how your body metabolizes it. Yeah. Right. Fascinating. Mm, It can be really interesting. Um, And another one probably good to touch on um, is say high fiber. I think that's a great one that a lot of people are looking for these days with all the talk about gut health. So high fiber just means that the product must have more than three grams of fiber per 100 grams. And it is generally a good choice, but I will touch on what the fiber recommendations actually are um, as we progress a little further. So some other ones that I think are really popular are like your diet. Mm-hmm. So like something that's like diet, cordial, diet, yogurt, diet, whatever it is. Diet jelly. Diet jelly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that one um, means that the food is either low in sugar and or fat. So they're generally low in nutrition and artificially sweetened. So if you're looking at a common one, let's say diet cordial, you'll often find that cordial is low in sugar. There won't be fat obviously in it because it's a sweetened beverage, but it will be sweetened with artificial sweetness. Right. So it's just understanding that just because it has the word diet doesn't mean that it's a health food. That's exactly right. So the other one that I thought I'd just quickly touch on is the difference between like those nutrition content claims and actual health claims. So health claims, on the other hand, refer to a relationship between a food and health. So an example could be like lowers cholesterol by 10%. So is it butter, like the butters or margarines that say that? In some yeah. Ads? So yeah. things like proactive yeah, yeah. Um, or it could also be the latest wheat bix cholesterol lowering wheat bix is another example so by 2016 uh, foods carrying nutrition content claims health claims and endorsements actually had to comply with the new standard uh, from Fazans that ensured consumers and health professionals could have confidence that the health claims were well supported by scientific evidence and were only permitted on foods that met certain nutrition criterion thereby preventing health claims on food higher in saturated fat, sugar, or salt. Right. And I guess the other thing that's really common here in Australia is the Health Star rating system, which I think can be a little controversial because I know my kids have even noticed 
the health star rating system. Mm. And sometimes things like your coconut oil only has like a one star Mm. and things like processed cereals have a four star. Mm. So can you talk to us a little bit about the health star rating system? Yeah, sure. So the health star rating system is probably like newer. You might remember back to um, when we had like things like the heart foundation tick Mm. and some of those things can be a little bit of like an endorsement by certain brands to say they've met this criteria. But I don't know if anybody might remember listening to this, but when McDonald's had a couple of products that like had the foundation tick, like as being healthier options. And I used to always think to myself, you know, why on earth would something at McDonald's carry a heart foundation tick? I can't remember for the life of me what it was, what it was attached to, whether it was like when they brought out their salad options, but you'll see a lot of that has kind of fallen by the wayside. It has. Just when you said it, I remember, Mm. like vaguely remember that, but like thinking now I can't, I can't place that tick at all. Yeah. And so the health star rating system is just basically another thing you might see on the front of the box. And that was developed for use in Australia and New Zealand to provide more of a convenient and relevant and readily understood nutrition, I guess, guidance on the food package packages to assist customers in making, you know, an educated um, decision to a healthier food choice. So I kind of use it more as like a starting point. So it provides an at glance kind of overall rating of the healthiness of the food product, um, as well as specific nutrient and energy information. So generally speaking, the more stars, the healthier the choice. But Looking back at your example in terms of coconut oil having a one star and say a processed cereal having a four star, um, it would often come back to what they're comparing. So Mm. if you're looking at coconut oil, there's not a lot of ingredients in it. It's literally just coconut oil, but it would be most likely the saturated fat content of coconut oil, which would push it down down to a, a one star. Yeah. I think it's just worth touching on and it's, like you said, I guess a starting point and for the everyday shopper who maybe is standing in the long life milk aisle about to buy their chocolate milk for the week and looking at buying either the breakers or the up and goes Mm. and the up and goes having the health star, you know, they're not a health food. That's right. Really? Because they don't have the best ingredients, but I guess it's going, you know what, this is a better choice. Mm -hmm. And it's just that prompt for the everyday shopper. That's it. And sometimes it comes down to that when we're first starting out. You know, we all endeavor to do the best we can, Um, you know, try and choose the healthiest products that we can for ourselves and our family, try and avoid unprocessed foods where possible. But let's be honest, if we think of the majority of people, we don't all sit in that category where we're buying you know, organic fruit and vegetables and and grass-fed lean protein Mm. and fresh fish off the trawler. Like sometimes it just doesn't work that way, depending where you live, what's available. So I think if we have this education, it just gives us that little bit of an edge in terms of really trying to improve what we have control over. Completely. And I love that. And I think that it really comes back to when you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. Just like me, like I'm learning from you all the time. And so moving on from the front of the package and the claims and all of that stuff, talk to me about the nutrition info panel. Okay. So 
This nutrition information panel um, offers the simplest and easiest way to choose foods with the most common targets, I guess, that most people are trying to do. So they're trying to eat less saturated fat, have less salt or sodium, um, avoid any added sugars, and more recently, obviously, have more fiber. So this panel also will show, you know, your energy, your protein, um, your carbohydrate, and a few other things depending on what the product is. So say, for example, if it's a milk, it might have calcium. Um, if it's if it's a product that uh, wants to specify the type of fat, sometimes you'll see saturated, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated, which just basically is the difference between what we would consider typically your unhealthy mm-hmm. and then your healthier fats. Um, and most of the time you'll, you'll show the amount of any other nutrient or substance, which that going back to that nutrition content claim or that health claim will also appear on, on certain products. So say if the product said high calcium, you'll see calcium appear in the nutrition information panel. So just to be clear, it's not on all packages and you shouldn't expect it to be on all packages, but most of the time you'll definitely see the standard energy, protein, total fat, saturated fat, sugar, fiber, and salt. And is there any you know particular order that they need to be listed in? Is it true that with ingredients, they need to list the ingredients from the most dominant ingredient down to the left? down to the yes that's least. correct yeah yeah so um so we can go through that in more detail i can do it now or i can do it after um but if we're thinking about the the ingredients they do list them in descending order so normally you're looking kind of at the first couple of ingredients so those ones are you know what you're looking for is something that might be high in saturated fat or high in sugar or high in salt within those first few ingredients. And normally we're looking at, say, the first three. Um, so just say, let's use an example again. So if we picked up a, a good one is those caramel or cappuccino sachets. Oh, like a, yeah. You know, yeah. the ones where you just pour the powder in yeah. and you add the water. So those which by the way my dad thinks is just coffee in those yeah. <laughs> i'm so, like dad there's so much shit in those it's like powdered milk and sugar and all sorts so of like things. one of the first ingredients i can't even remember um which one i had picked up but one of them was like the first couple of ingredients were sugar and fat yeah. and i'm thinking how is that even remotely close to coffee mm-hmm. and so like more recently, a brand has brought out a one that is sweetened with stevia, which is, look, if I was going to have a client come to me and say, this is what I drink, I'm not willing to give it up, mm. what's the alternative? Obviously, now there is an alternative. I always try and provide people with the best option, but sometimes you've just got to work with what people are willing to change. And certain things at that point in time, it's just a no, no go zone. Yeah. I guess if someone's coming to you as a client and they're wanting to lose weight or manage weight or whatever it is, change mm-hmm. up their eating, you've got to be really careful with what you take away or ask them to replace. And it's probably much more of a gradual thing, but I, I can't remember where I heard it or where I got it from, but that's something that's always stuck with me is have a look at the first three ingredients. Mm-hmm. And if sugar is listed in the first three, then you know, it's basically, it's a treat. Yeah, that's exactly right. And also, I guess what you're looking for there is any additives. So 
some a question I think that came through to Kylie was about additives and where would you find information on them? So you can find a lot of information on Fazan. So that's F S A N Z. Um, and that you can just type that into Google and it'll come up with kind of a list of the numbers and then what the actual um, additive or preservative is. Because often it will just be like additive 223, 242. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, even I wouldn't know exactly, you know, every single number You'd off the to top of my reference. head. Yeah. That's exactly right. So that is a great resource that people could jump over to if they are interested in that kind of thing. Um I will just put in there that if you are thinking or that resonates with you in terms of the ingredients list while we're on that topic, also just think to yourself, I remember going to a dietitian conference a few years ago in Melbourne and we were treated with a talk from a chef and something that kind of stuck with me is the philosophy she followed, which was... um, try and choose products with five or less ingredients. And I tried to do that with certain things that I know are healthy and they came across as like six. And I thought, okay, that's fine because the extra was literally um, like a probiotic. Yeah. So that was fine. But I thought, wow, that's a really great takeaway for people to just start to get them looking Mm. beyond that and not reading into like certain I don't want to name names, but certain brands of companies that are associated with weight loss, we often pick them up thinking, oh, this is that brand, like that'll be great. Mm. And when you actually turn it over, there's like 30 ingredients. And I think, well, what have they added to this Yeah, to make it what it is? What it is. Yeah. And I think that for people, it's great to have those little kind of golden rules of thumb that you don't have to follow every single time. But if in the back of your mind, you can think, okay, let's have a quick flick. Let's have a look. What are the top three ingredients? Okay. If they are things that I don't know, like Mm -hmm. I can't recognize what it is or it's sugar straight up or Mm -hmm. a different name for sugar, which Mm -hmm. we can touch on later as well. Going, okay, you know what? This isn't actually an everyday food. This is more of a treat. And then, like you said, just going by, okay, having a look how many ingredients are actually included because, like you said, things can be marketed really well. Mm -hmm. And we won't name names, even though I already have a couple of times in this podcast. But there are, you know, kind of like your protein bars and your whatnot Mm -hmm. that so many fitness influencers will promote and talk about eating because there are a certain amount of calories or macros. Mm -hmm. But when you flip it over, Mm -hmm. like we did in Woolworths, and you actually read the ingredients and you understand what they are, you go, okay, this is a clever, cleverly marketed snack, not necessarily a health food. That's it. And it might be something that you include, you know, on that occasion where you're stopped at a servo and there's literally nothing else available. Mm. You know, you're driving on a road trip or something, you're trying to make the best choice you can. You know, there are times when there's a time and a place, but mm. if you think of your everyday pantry, we just try and put these little steps in place to move us closer to the goal of where we want to be with regards to health. Yeah, I love that. And so if we jump back up to the nutrition information panel, because mm-hmm. I kind of took you off topic, which I, okay. te- I, tend, <laughs> I tend to do these it's things. <laughs> um, so that was ingredients. Let's talk about the panel. Okay. So one of the biggest things or important messages that I want people to remember is on the nutrition panel, you'll often see a few different things listed. So you'll see a serving size and you'll see a per 100 grams. 
And a lot of people typically run their eyes down the serving size, which, I mean, that's a great a great idea to go, okay, well, you know, if I was to eat this... It's a great this, habit to begin with. That's it. If I was to eat this, this is roughly how much it would be giving me. And if we are more on, let's say, the weight loss focused side of things, we, we tend to just gravitate towards energy. So kilojoules or calories. So often we can be programmed to try and choose something with the least amount of calories in That's it. That's totally my programming. Yeah. So let's just use examples is for a snack. Let, I could have, you know, this brand of, of bar, which is 60 calories, or I could have 30 grams of unsalted mixed nuts, which is 200. Mm. Most people who are weight loss focused would generally go for the bar because it's 60 calories. But a really easy or, or simple strategy that you could do is think about, well, what are those nuts giving me? You know, they might be higher in calories, but gosh, I'm going to get a lot of nutrients from that. And that that 200 calories, that's fine. You know, we still need to eat in a day. And you'd probably find that those nuts are going to keep you satisfied for way longer than that 60 calorie bar. So it's a hard habit to break. But I just wanted to point that out is sometimes that's something that we do need to consider. But with the nutrition information panel, I actually don't even get my clients to look at the energy. I focus purely on the nutrition. Because I guess the byproduct is, is that if you're just putting good stuff in your body, your weight will sort itself out. That's right. And you will, you will feel fuller for longer Mm. because you're putting in better quality food, you know, higher fiber. You'll just start to make yourself feel like you are in the driver's seat of your health. Exactly. Which is so important. Exactly. And in the, in the end, you control the energy through the portion that you have. So that's kind of the way that I tend to look at it. Because that's right with serving size. I think it can be really tricky because you might go, oh, serving size. Okay. And think, all right, automatically this one bar that I'm holding or this one small chocolate that I'm holding is one serving Mm -hmm. at at a glance. But if you dig a little deeper, I know I've got some chocolates here now that are small. There's like six squares to them and that's considered three servings Mm. or whatever it is. But I would look at that and go, oh, I can eat that easily in one sitting. So just, you know, being aware. Yep, definitely. And sometimes the serving sizes don't always marry up with what might be, let's say, the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating portion size, which is just basically in very short, the kind of the recommended um, serving sizes of each of our core food groups. So fruit, vegetables, dairy, meat and meat alternatives um, and grains and just kind of the rough portion. So you'll find that what you read on the back of the packet for their serving size might not marry up with those portion sizes. And that's probably a little bit of a difficulty for people to navigate. But I think just understanding the label and we'll dive into the nutrition information panel in more detail now, understanding this is a great stepping stone to moving forward to getting those good products within your within your household. Um, And then you can control the portion and the serving that feels right for you. I love that. So let's talk about fat. Okay. So basically on the nutrition information panel, um, you do want to compare products per 100 grams. You might not necessarily consume the product in a per 100 gram 
portion, but it just allows comparability between similar products. So if I was picking up two breakfast cereals, I wouldn't compare them per serving. I would compare them per 100 grams. Because the serving size might be 45 grams on the back of a muesli box and it might be 30 grams on the back of oats or whatever That's exactly yeah. right. So always comparing, you know, apples with apples, basically. So ideally you are aiming for foods with less than 10 grams of total fat per 100 grams. However, for milk, yogurt, and ice cream, we're aiming for less than two grams per 100 grams, and for cheese, less than 15 grams per 100 grams. So sometimes, if the product actually contains a healthy fat, in the, in the form of nuts, seeds, or olive oil. So let's just use an example, like potentially a muesli that might have nuts and seeds to it with, you know, when we get to sugar, has really good sugar. Um, if they've used nuts and seeds in the product, then you might find that the total fat is more than 10. And that's okay, provided that we then dive into the more important one, which is our saturated fat, and make sure that one meets the criteria we're aiming for. So the reason why we look at saturated fat is because typically this is the one that um, if you think of, say, cholesterol or heart disease or if you've ever had to see a cardiologist or anything like that, typically saturated fat and trans fats are the two that are normally the ones we just want to control because they tend to be more so the ones that are affecting those kinds of health conditions. So we are aiming for less than three grams per 100 grams, but we also want to be looking for foods that have low or no trans fats and or cholesterol. So the biggest thing with fat is like sugar, we'll come to that, and salt is that they can be named under a multiple, like a multitude of different names. And Kylie's smiling because there's probably about like 15 different <laughs> names of, a lot. of saturated fat. So I don't know whether it's easier for me to pop them in the show notes so people have a visual or whether to read them. I think it's worth touching on, throwing, okay. throwing some of them out there. So some of them that you might see, or let's just use a couple um, that are common saturated fat are obviously like your animal fat or oil. Um, butter is a saturated fat. Um, look, there's probably going to be a couple of ingredients I'm going to touch on that are obviously that controversial topic, you know, butter versus margarine, coconut oil versus olive oil, but that's for another day. Generally speaking, they are still containing high levels of saturated fat. So you do just need to be mindful of that. And I always say to my clients, if they choose to use things like butter, um, or they choose to use products like coconut oil, then all they have to do is make sure that they then just balance that saturated fat versus their healthy fat within their diet. Right. So we normally aim for like a two to one ratio. Okay. So, you know, if you had 10 grams of saturated fat in your day and you have 30 grams of um, uh, unsaturated fat, so mono or polyunsaturated fat. Um, so some other ones that, and this was one that we actually uncovered when we looked at the protein bars was palm oil. I think that was one that yes, I brought up. For it you. was in the mix because we'd been speaking about foods that could be triggering some upset in my stomach and whatnot. 
and yeah, we'd flipped over a bar and I'd said to you, oh, I had one of these last night and it was really nice. I enjoyed it. And you were like, yeah, you probably did enjoy it. And we had a look at the ingredients and it was one of those things that was high in palm oil and palm oil is just, whilst I have a very beginner's level of understanding that it's not great for us, it's not a red, it wasn't a red flag for me. Mm. And I think probably that's where, you know, having that education of what kinds of foods are saturated fat, you know, and what kind of foods or what, what could they label them under, you know, sometimes we think, oh, if I don't see the word fat, mm. it's not there, but then they're putting the name there. It's just under something completely different. Which happens as well with good old fashioned sugar. Yes, <laughs> sugar. So realistically, avoiding sugar is completely um, is not necessary, but it's important to consider how much sugar is within the product. So if you decide that you want to completely avoid sugar and, and let's just say swap honey for rice malt syrup, so an example where I've seen in certain books, Sugar is still sugar, and that's something that I really just want to stress is a teaspoon is a teaspoon. So as much as you might be making a much better choice for yourself in terms of what type of sugar you're putting into your body, I just really want to stress that, you know, sugar is sugar. Yeah, and it's interesting because there are definitely brands out there who talk about having no sugar or promote a no-sugar lifestyle, mm. but that's whacked on to a jar of um, like rice malt syrup, yeah, which is sugar. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like it's just a different type of sugar. Yeah, and so I, I think often people can feel like they're having a no-sugar diet, but realistically, to do a no-sugar diet would be really hard. It'd be like just even if you cut out natural it? sugar, yeah. it would be really hard, and it's. It's not, it's more what it cuts out. Like mm. it starts to cut out, you know, some amazing nutrients that you can get from other things. So in this example, I'm, you know, talking about say fruit. Yeah. Um, obviously they vary significantly in sugar, you know, your grapes and your um, banana in comparison to say um, strawberries, you know, per 100 grams, they differ quite a lot in sugar, but it doesn't mean the banana is not providing you with other nutrients as yeah. well. And I think it's just really important to understand that fruit does have sugar or rice malt syrup does have sugar. Mm. Um, and just, just taking that, that message away that whatever you decide to do yourself is fine, but just remember that it can, it can be labeled under a multitude of different names like we spoke about with regards to the saturated fat. So I more tend to focus on, you know, where it sits on the ingredients list and then where the sugar is actually coming from. So if we think about what we're aiming for, generally speaking, we're aiming for sugar less than five to 10 grams per 100 grams and no more than 15 grams per 100 grams. So one of the Simple ways of identifying whether or not it's a sugar is it ends in OSE. So dextrose, fructose, glucose, sucrose, maltose, lactose. Sucralose. <laughs> all versions. So, um, and then we've also got like if it's got the word sugar, you know, brown sugar, caster sugar, raw sugar, the list goes on. Honey, maple syrup, golden syrup, rice malt syrup. I could be here forever talking about different names of sugar. But they're just some common ones, I guess you would see. So the biggest thing to understand really is 
how much sugar is in your 100 gram serving and just being aware exactly sugar can be called different things now obviously in a lot of foods they do take out the sugar and they replace it with artificial sweeteners Mm -hmm. um obviously ones like aspartame aspartame how do you say it i'd say aspartame um, gets a bad rap mm-hmm. and probably rightly so, I'm guessing. <laughs> well, based on the current evidence I'm, uh, with regards to the studies, there's the, the studies are done on animals. So once again, we can't really wow, compare um, the results and the quantities that they provide those animals in those studies are far greater than any human consumes consume. in a day. So I tend to advise my clients to use natural versions of sweetener. So, for example, stevia, monk fruit, um, uh, natvia, those kinds of things will have like erythritol and stuff in in them rather than more your saccharin and your aspartame. And as I said, the evidence at this point in time, we can't make a conclusive definitive, yes, they will cause adverse effects. Um, in the typical quantities that people consume, but I still tend to say to clients best to to not over mm. overdo them. Awesome. Now the next one on your hit list is sodium. Yeah, so this one probably is one of the most hidden ones that I don't think people always look at. So when you actually start to look at the sodium in products, you might be quite surprised how many are higher than the recommended quantity. So generally speaking, we're aiming for foods that have less than 400 milligrams of sodium per 100 grams, but ideally less than 120 milligrams of sodium per 100 grams is best. So say, for example, if someone's suffering from high blood pressure, they may have been to the doctor and they've said, look, you need to cut back on your salt. Typically, kind of the recommendation that they would be given is 120 milligrams of sodium per 100 grams. And sodium is effectively salt. Yes, that's right. Exactly. And obviously, like like the others, this one can come in a multitude of different names. So some examples might be baking powder, anything that's got the word salt in it, like celery salt, garlic salt, meat or yeast extract, um, MSG, sodium ascorbate, sodium bicarbonate. So anything with the word salt, sodium will definitely um, be a version of salt. Yeah, and it's interesting. I was buying like little garlic granules the other day to put mm. on my vegetables, and I picked up the garlic salt just out of interest and flipped it over, and it was garlic, sugar, sodium. Like mm. sugar was in that as well, which I just thought, oh, yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. It's really amazing where you when you do start to pick up labels where you find yeah. certain ingredients. And I love that you said it's not about eradicating certain things altogether. It's just being mindful. Exactly. So that might, you know, you might not get rid of that, but you might be conscious of how much you use next time you sprinkle it on vegetables, that kind of thing. Totally. And so fiber you touched on as well, which again, like you said, there is a lot of buzz around fiber at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably because in the past it's, it's really been considered to be something that's not important. You know, oh, fiber just kind of goes in and passes out. But there's a lot of really good benefits with regards to fiber. So you might not find fiber on all labels. For example, like something like milk, you won't find it on. Um, 
But generally speaking with fiber, we are aiming to choose foods that have more than six grams of fiber per 100 grams. So you might remember back to the start of the podcast where I spoke about um, those nutrition content claims that said a product that says high fiber on the front, all that means is it has more than three. So ideally, we're actually aiming for more than six. Mm. So double that. (laughs) So your breads and whatnot that say high fiber, not all of them, but some of them might actually just be only just kind of making that's yeah, right. making just the cut. Just making the cut. Yeah. So that's when then you might go, okay, well, I'm actually going to look now at the back and find one that has that higher level higher of level. fiber. Um, so the reason why fiber is actually important is, is obviously for our digestive health and to keep regular bowel movements. So it also actually helps us to feel fuller for longer, um, can improve cholesterol and blood sugar levels, and can assist in preventing some diseases like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and bowel cancer. So often when I'm educating clients on cholesterol, most people might think, oh, you just talk to them about fat. But I actually talk to them about sugar and I talk to them about fiber. So I think sometimes we we might go and and often this is actually just to touch on quickly a common thing i find is say for example you've been told in the past oh you've got you're on the you know you're on the borderline slightly elevated sugar then all of a sudden when you start reading labels you become completely focused about sugar mm. or if you've Tunnel been told, yeah or if you've been told oh you've got high cholesterol we become programmed to look at just the fat So I really kind of am providing all of this because I always say to clients, you want to look at everything Mm. because in one way or another, they can impact, impact the other. Right. I love that. And I know recently I was going, I was making some changes with the way I was eating just based off some symptoms I was experiencing. And I thought, oh, my fiber's good because I'm pretty regular, like I'm regular. Mm. But then when we looked at what I was eating, Mel was like, you know what? You're not getting nearly enough fiber. So just being aware of that. Yeah. And also too, I guess our best source of fiber really isn't going to be found on a nutrition label. Our best source of fiber comes from fresh fruit and vegetables, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So fresh fruit, <clears throat> fresh fruit and vegetables, nuts and seeds, um, your grains, your legumes and lentils, they're a really great starting point. And you're aiming for about 25 to 30 grams of fiber a day. So a really fun task, I guess, to do. And I've done this for myself. I love when a dietitian says a fun task. A fun task. <laughs> it's actually for a week or it might, you might even do it for a few days. But actually just write, you might use an app and just record everything you eat. And most people think that they're getting enough fiber. Mm. Um, But 95% of Australians don't meet the recommended five serves of vegetables a day. So something just to think about is if you actually do that task, I even know for myself when I first did it, I think I was probably hitting maybe between the 15 to 20 grams. And when I, at the end of that task, and I made a concerted effort to really boost my fiber, I actually found that some days I was hitting close to 50 grams of fiber just by making a concerted effort to say have vegetables or veggie sticks or, you know, my fruit with my breakfast and, and salad or vegetables at lunch and then salad or vegetables at dinner, just really making that concerted effort to include those, but also having, you know, nuts and seeds and a little bit of grain as well. So it's all about what you focus on. And you mentioned 
that there are apps that you know people can use to track nutritional values and whatnot are there any that you particularly recommend with your clients so there's two that generally clients can use and find really helpful so these are mainly just to improve the overall pantry so it's not necessarily to you know give you a serving size or anything like that it's more just to kind of give you maybe a quick way of navigating your way through the supermarket if you don't feel confident yet to actually get get the box and turn it around and navigate it yourself so one of them is is called init so i-n-i-t And with one quick scan, that provides clarity about hard to understand food and beauty product labels. So it analyzes nutritional values and equally importantly, which additives and chemicals are contained inside. So each product is given a simple color code, excellent, good, mediocre, and bad. So I think some of the questions were with regards to additives. So that could be a good place for people to start, you know, scan the barcode and see what it comes up with there. Um, how additives affect people is a whole nother ball game. Um, I was saying to Kylie, it's, it's a whole other conversation. That's exactly right. It's definitely something that if people are concerned about to explore um, with an accredited practicing dietitian, because often it's individual and there's, you know, there's a lot of value can be done by actually navigating your way through that with someone who has that expertise. Um, So that's one app, but the other app that I find really, really handy and probably use a lot with a variety of my clients um, is something called Food Switch. So it's been out for a while, but it's a database of packaged foods to help you identify those that are better for you. So the way it works is in three steps, it helps you just to, you know, guide you towards better health by reducing the salt, the fat and the sugar in your diet. So it also has a barcode scanner. So the way it works is you scan the barcode of the packaged food with your camera. Um, It provides a simple nutrition information on the food that you've scanned. Uh, And it also lists similar foods that are healthier based on established nutrition criteria. So it kind of gives you an alternative, I guess you could say. And so what you can do is you can scan the product that you are potentially looking at and then if it comes up all, you know, red or yellow, <laughs> you can then look below and see which one has more green. What's a better choice? Yeah. And then it can guide you to that product. Awesome. And, and that's really handy. And that would be something you would only need to use for a short amount of time until you develop the habits to know yourself what brands to choose. Exactly. And once you feel more confident. So there's some other kind of um, aspects to that Food Switch app. Just to touch on, you can use the Food Switch Classic, which is the way that I just explained, but they also have the Salt Switch, which is to help people lower salt, the Gluten Switch, which is great for people with celiac disease or gluten intolerance. So this is a great app that I use with clients just starting out reading food labels. So they can scan the barcode of something and see whether or not it may contain gluten. Um, I obviously combine that with another app, but, um, and then fat switch is obviously for people trying to lower their fat energy switch for people trying to lower their overall calories or kilojoules and then sugar switch Love for those that. people who are sugar conscious. Awesome. Now we just had a couple of final questions come through on Instagram that I thought I would just kind of rapid fire Mm -hmm. at you to finish with, if that's okay. That's okay. So one is what does it mean if a product states it's natural flavor? 
Okay. So with regards to natural flavoring, it just means that there's no, um, uh, what would, uh, like chemical flavoring. So say for example, natural flavoring might be they use apple. So say if it's a lolly and it's, you know, natural flavoring, you might find that they use like apple, apple juice. juice or orange juice or those kinds of natural flavors instead of using your typical numbers. Yeah, right. But I always would say still read the back because you might find that those nutrition content claims might say natural sugar, but what they're defining, uh, natural flavoring, but what they're defining as mm. natural could be different. Yeah, right. And another one is, is it true that soy and corn are contained in many products that we would not expect? I would say yes. yes. <laughs> um, and mostly you would find this pop up when people are trying to, you know, they might be diagnosed with celiac disease. That's probably a common, a common one where people are trying to get away from the wheat and gluten containing products and they'll find soy and maize pop up in a lot of different things. Awesome. And last but not least, what's your biggest no-no when it comes to add additives and ingredients and why? Okay. So I don't have a specific no-no and the reason for that is because I think there are so many factors that come into reading a nutrition information panel and for many different reasons. Um, as, as I said, one of the biggest things I would say or the messages that I would say is the more ingredients the more alarm bells. Yeah. So if you want to kind of have a takeaway, is that five ingredients or less is a really great strategy because for me to pinpoint one ingredient or one additive, it's really hard because for so many different reasons and for so many different people, things might not be suitable. But that five ingredients or less will definitely narrow Mm. um, the amount of processed food that you will bring in and therefore completely narrow or minimize the number of additives or potentially harmful ingredients that might be included within that product. Super, super helpful. I love that. And on that note, I'm going to go into the pantry now and check all of the things in there for how many ingredients they have. But I really appreciate you sitting down and sharing your knowledge on this topic. I hope that you listening have really enjoyed it. You can follow Mel on Instagram as well. I'll pop her Instagram handle in the show notes, Mm -hmm. but it's at MSB Your Diet Revolution. Awesome. Take a screenshot if you enjoyed this episode and pop it up on your stories. And don't forget to tag us both. Mine is at Kylie Camps. We hope you got something from this chat. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.